When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Ah! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Happy Thanksgiving, the Hangtime Podcast, the Turkey Day edition. Lang Whitaker in New York. Yo. Sekou Smith here in Atlanta at headquarters. And uh, Lang, before we even get started uh, talking about anything else, I just want to make one last stand for turducken on the holiday. I know I know people are traditionalists. They like to have a roast turkey or a deep fried turkey. I'm giving a shout out to turducken. I think it's the uh, food of the future. And <laughs> all we need is everybody to embrace it. You jive turkey. <laughs> I was, sorry, I just wanted to say that. Um, <laughs> I've always, you know what? I, I for GQ asked uh, asked if we had any hot Thanksgiving takes, mm-hmm. and I said I've been in charge of cooking the turkey like the last fifteen years around our family right. holiday, and most people don't cook turkey; they just eat it, and <laughs> they so they don't realize how hard it is to cook a turkey because it's you know it's like, it's like you're trying to get flavor in something the size of a car. And then it, the white meat cooks at a different rate than the dark meat. Um, the people's ovens aren't, for the most part, they don't cook evenly, so the skin looks like a like a bape turkey. It's all camo and everything. So it's 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 hard. It's a really hard thing to do. So this year we made a a turketta where we uh, what the hell is a turketta? Deboned a turkey, stuffed it with sage and piquillo pepper um, spice, and then rolled it up, and then uh, tied it up. And then seared it off, and then baked it through the middle, and it was the best turkey I've ever had. So you, by ki- far. you killed the turkey seventeen times. I, mean, I don't see how it's any different. it, stuffed tied it up, in. stuffed it, and then you murdered it. I mean, Putting what? a duck and a chicken inside is just degrading. <laughs> I think it's humane. You know, you let them go together. I wrote a thing. I also wrote a thing about why just turkey in general is no good for GQ. And um, I was surprised. I, I was telling you earlier. I was surprised. There's a lot of turkey truthers out there on Twitter who got got upset with me. They were they were like, "Well, clearly you've never had a, a well cooked turkey." Yeah, you're seriously interested in, interested in uh, making Thanksgiving great again if you're talking about making a turkey. <laughs> well, I thought we should we should bring in somebody who's a I don't know if he is a Thanksgiving expert, but. Uh, <laughs> But I've been friends with them on Twitter for a while, and uh, we've actually met a couple times at, mm-hmm. around New York. And um, he goes by Network. I guess that's how you say it. It's got a three in there on uh, on Twitter. But IRL, his name is Jason Concepcion. He used to be at uh, Grantland. Now he's at The Ringer. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jason, what's up, man? Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm so pleased to be here. Yes, and it is Network. It's my uh, – I got that as – 
that was originally my my gamer tag from from <laughs> yeah. video gaming, which which you guys should be um, becoming more familiar with, being as the E League yep. Studios is probably like five feet away from Seeker right now. That's right. That's right. Also, also our um, Seeker's not really a gamer, but I'm not. Our, our but other, I'm, but co- I'm an admirer. Our our sometimes <laughs> co-host Rick Fox. Uh, yeah. Owns, owns He's one big. of the worst teams. Yeah, he owns one of the worst teams in the in um, esports. <laughs> he owns the Sixers <laughs> of the E League, right? <laughs> I always say they're the Lakers of the E League. Oh, but I thought that, it was the Sixers. We, we can't say the Lakers anymore because the Lakers are good. But um, but yeah, Rick's been involved for a while in esports, and um, so. Um, but anyway, do you, have, do you have a take on Turkey, Jason? Are you pro Turkey, anti Turkey? What's what's your what's your mood? I think that well, part of. I'm pro Turkey just because I think it's a, it's an important. Yeah. I think it's an important tradition and it's important uh, institution in American life, and we need to protect those. <laughs> I think that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think the secret is if there if there can be a secret about cooking a turkey is you can't get the huge ones. That's where people mess up. You get the they get the gigantic turkey, and it's like, you know, just like Lang said, it's impossible to cook the thing. You can't get the heat right all the way yeah. through the bird and it's like you know everything's cooking at different rates you got to get as small of a turkey as you can get that can feed people um yeah it's easier it's just easier to cook that you're still gonna have a ton of leftovers no like even if you get a 12 pound turkey and you have eight yeah. people or 10 people there's gonna be plenty for the next plenty. week yeah so i i agree with you i we used a 12 pound turkey to make that turketta and um i I ended up throwing away what was left of it yesterday because it had been in my fridge for a week and a half. <laughs> no, you wouldn't I throw away a turducken, I promise you. You'd <laughs> yeah. eat it for breakfast, Wait, you'd I... freeze it, pull it back out for Christmas. There's have all kinds of stuff. A, have you made a turducken, Seku? Once. Once. And Heather told me I, if I ever brought one through the door again, she'd put me out. So. <laughs> how, so do, how, do you, how do you actually – how do you build it? Because, no, the that's, the, that that's the beautiful thing. Tony Sacheries, the uh, – they make the like yeah. Cajun seasoning, right? They yeah. they make them where you can buy it already put together. All you got to do is pop it in the oven. It's unbelievable. Oh, I'm wow. telling you, it's unbelievable. When what? So what's the the in the internal is layer is duck, right? The center. It's a duck inside of a chicken inside of a turkey. <laughs> and now they got one where you can get eggs like a breakfast turducken. Oh. And this is the sad part about it, guys. <laughs> I think you already so told I, us. I lobbied already... hard for a turducken this year, right? Yeah, and like you know, my wife, she, you know how much of a stickler she, how much of a foodie and TV watcher she is of all these shows. She had the bright idea that instead of a turducken this year, we're having Cornish hens. So we got these Ooh. things. That's a kind of a good idea. Yeah, I know, but they look—they don't look as big as like a four-piece chicken uh, tender thing from Chick Fil A. <laughs> I mean, what am I gonna do with a what am I gonna do with a Cornish hen? I mean, I'll be done eating that in like three seconds. <laughs> gotta get a lot of them. So yeah, we, so I told I was like, well, I hope you bought plenty, you know, because I'm gonna need I'm gonna need more than one of these little things if I'm gonna make it through Thanksgiving. Let me give you guys a pro tip, a pro hack that it's not widely known. Um, go to Popeyes, and you can get a, you can get a deep fried turkey at Popeyes. Yeah, yeah. Spice. They sell the whole thing. They sell. The oh yeah, they deep fry for you and everything. Yep. Only problem <laughs> is the waiting list is longer than you know. Getting season yeah. tickets at, at Michigan. I mean, they're like dead people on the list still waiting for their turkey <laughs> from Papa. Seriously, the, the line is like out the door, and you got to get it before Thanksgiving. Nobody likes Michigan, so don't we don't need that argument. <laughs> 
I'm listen. All I'm saying is, if you're gonna do something different, if you're gonna step out on on a holiday on Thanksgiving, give Turducken a try. I mean, just try it That's... one time, one time, and I promise you'll be hooked. It's. I mean, it sounds. You know, it sounds like one of those foods that is so good that it takes like two weeks off your life at the end. Yeah. So I'm in. Yeah, if you have, if you've ever watched those medieval movies and they're sitting there at the bank, you know, in the big banquet hall, that looks like something they would eat on like a, the game, the red exactly. wedding. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it would definitely be. There's definitely been a turducken on Game of Thrones. People just didn't realize what it was. Yeah. Well. Um, anyway, but, uh, speaking of Thanksgiving, the NBA has uh, an infinite wisdom, and I don't mean that facetiously. Has decided to give us one day to be thankful. And not have games, um, and and I appreciate that because I, no seriously because I have to get ready for the weekend, which is a huge weekend, yeah. it's Michigan Ohio State weekend. But in yeah. that vein, I was thinking about some things that I'm thankful for. Also, for what it's worth, every team plays Friday night. Fifteen games. The schedule. Friday I know there's thirteen night. games Wednesday, fifteen Fridays. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll let you gorge on NBA games around Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. But John and I were talking about it. Just what are we thankful for this year? NBA related. So I'm going to give you guys in in reverse order what I'm thankful. Number one, of course, is having Thanksgiving off as a break between Wednesday and Friday night. Right. Number two is villain KD. I love heel KD. Him disrespecting people. You know, talking about he don't give no damn about no damn Drake night when he was in Toronto. Like that is literally I wanted to put that. This was the 1990s. I would have put that on my uh, answer machine at the house. Like <laughs> it should be your ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and my and my number one thing I'm thankful for this holiday season is one Joe Borgia and his staff at the Replay Center. Because oh, come on. are you no, a fan of the Kings? No. But I'm that's saying not popular, that's not going to be a popular opinion north of the border. I don't care. But I love I love that Joe Borgia is in there working every night. Whereas I've all my NFL friends have been belly aching all weekend and after Monday night football about bad officiating. It's like who cares? We got Joe Borgia, son. We don't, I don't need, know if we have, well, this we don't might need not be it. the this might not be the best time to ride for the replay center after the way that Kings uh Raptors game ended. Hey, yeah. nobody's perfect. You know. Nobody's perfect. You're not gonna get them all right. So what do you guys think about the way that ended? I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, there's going to be a mistake here and there. And I understand that, you know, that people want these guys to be perfect. But that's just, I mean, you're asking for the impossible. I think they got the call right. It's just the rule is wrong. Well, there's a bunch of that going on. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, there's a whole lot wrong with, with some of the rules. We, I mean, you know how I feel about the uh, basket interference rule. I hate it. I wish I wish it was like FIBA. I wish they just let dudes tap it wherever it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, well, you're not gonna get them all right, Lane. What are you gonna do? Uh, but that, isn't that the point of having the re- replay center is to get everything right? No, it's to get Joe Borgia on TV at least once a night. <laughs> <laughs> I love Joe Borgia, man. He's a, he's the best. Seriously, he's the best. We need to get him on the podcast. Seriously, though, network. And I don't know if I should call you network or Jason. You, I mean, whatever you want. Uh, you can call me. Call me Jason. Yeah, it's weird when people. Call I was going to say it's got to be weird when people calling you like your your gamer tag. Um, what What are some things you're thankful for? NBA related, of course, around this NBA holiday related. Uh, let's see. I'd, I'd have to go with. I think it's been a great season for hair in the NBA. There's some of like the craziest <laughs> hairstyles. Really, ever like in the history of the league, like since probably since Bill Walton, you know, was doing uh, his thing. 
The Blazers. I I mean, a- Gerald, Gerald Green's Shamrock. Yes. I think yep. he should actually have his number retired by the Celtics <laughs> for that. On opening night. Uh, Aaron Baines. Yes. Like, oh. what is – I don't even know what that is, but I, you know, I'm here for that. <laughs> um, Benno Udrit, like, very low-key. Yep. Is is right there with like the bad man bun, like but you don't notice it because of Aaron Baines. Um Alfred Payton's kind of like yes. uh gravity defying thing is fantastic. And just like in general, like that that you know, after kind of a few years of uh Kawhi Leonard centric boredom, <laughs> like it's attached to like braids that they're they're uh, back now. Yeah. I was at like, the um I was at the Nets Blazers game on Sunday and I was noticing the Blazers had Alan Crabb, who has the Odell Beckham, you know, blonde faux hawk thing. And then there's also Myers Leonard this year, who yeah. has he's kind of has a Prince Valiant type like haircut. <laughs> I don't know exactly what it is, but I, I was thinking it's almost like the NBA is starting to become like soccer was for a while. I, I guess soccer might still be with guys like Paul Pogba and other guys, but like the haircuts now have just started to become a little bit out of control in the NBA. And it, I, I agree with you, Jason. It's kind of, it's kind of awesome. I, I like Myers, the Mon Shepard's work looks too. looks like Lionel. Dude. That's what I think he looks like. <laughs> he looks like he, but he also has this weird Benjamin Button thing where he looks like he's like he's 12. Like he's like aging in reverse the more Myers Leonard has been in the NBA. But, but yeah, Lionel is pretty awesome. What do you call this, that, that work that uh, Amon Shumpert has? It was like floppy, fro. Yeah. yeah. And now it's like, uh, I don't. It's like some cross between a Jerry curl and a and like a finger wave. I don't know. I she's got a lot going on. Is all I'm saying. I'm just, how do how do you how do they even come up with this stuff? Is what I need uh, to know. Alfred Payton's was. I always thought it was like a tribute to the to Weekend. You know, the singer of the Weekend. <laughs> but then he cut his hair, and Payton still has his. And so I don't. I don't know what's going on there. He's just got what he's got going on is frightening. Is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I saw it live walking down the hall. In the arena last season, I was just like, "What?" By itself, or was it, was Alfred Payton with it? He was walking it. Oh, it- <laughs> <laughs> he was walking this right down the hall on a leash. Um, but not anything else, Jason. That you? Yeah, yeah. It's, wildly thankful for this um, time of year. The Clippers. Yeah, yeah. The Clippers, just in general, because you know, I think, um, like a lot of people. Who watch the NBA obsessively? You know, you, you're concerned that it's not going to be a race in the Western Conference. So it's mm-hmm. it's uh, really fun to see the Clipper the Clippers gelling um, in the in the way that they are like just top team uh, one of the top teams offensively, one of the top teams defensively. They just have seem to have found another gear chemistry wise. You know, Blake is amazing, and I'd go with. Uh, this is a personal one, very close to my heart. Christoph Porzingis, the continued <laughs> evolution of Christoph Porzingis as um, a young godman, king of New York. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, just because I don't know if we'll ever see a guard average 30 points over any stretch, like in the modern NBA, without any kind of three-point shot. I don't, I don't know if we'll ever see anything like this again. Uh, and just like Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, like as a person, yeah. as a player and a person, and as the embodiment of the process. Let's go through some of these. Cause um, I, I have, you, you named a couple of things I was going to talk about too, but first of all, the Clippers, I was watching the game last night and um, I, I, I tweeted it last night, but I was thinking like it, you know, it's almost like these past few seasons, they've kind of tried to coast until the post, till the playoffs. And, 
and then turn it on. And now they're, it's like they figured, all right, screw it. Let's just go. Let's just go full blast all season long. And, you know, maybe we get tired by the playoffs. Maybe somebody gets hurt. But if not, it doesn't matter. We're just going to put the pedal to the metal and, and see what happens. It, it, I wonder if that's the sort of the thinking behind the way they're playing right now. Because I don't know if it's sustainable for 100 games or whatever they're going to end up playing. Yeah, I think part of it is just um, when you get a whiff of that mortality, you know, yeah. like Blake um, breaking his hand on his friend's face. Right. I think, you know, that really that's like a, it's crazy that that was like that could have been a franchise altering moment, but it could have been, you know, like and they don't have, you know, what is Chris 31 and like mm-hmm. the, their window is now um, the Warriors are ostensibly only going to get better. Uh yeah. But the Clippers are knocking on that door, and it's just, you know, and it's like there's been talk of them breaking it up, and it's like why, um, it it looks like a tough hill to climb in the Western Conference, but they're not going to find a better situation anywhere else than this. I think, and, and the time is now to really just go for it. I don't understand how they could have in the past, with the history of that franchise, assumed that it was okay to coast during the regular season and turn it on. I mean, turn what on? You, they've never been out of the second round. Right. Like that no I'm serious that just used to infuriate me with them like you know they were this team that felt like yeah we're we're like all the other teams that are contending for a championship we're just going to turn it on in the playoffs like you've never turned it on in the playoffs. What are you talking about? I, I I love the DeRozan one though. You're right. This this guy barely chucks threes at all and is lighting it up which a means he's got to be like a just a colossal ball hog or he's shooting the hell out of it. And I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah, and he's getting to the free throw line like, like crazy. It's amazing which, to get into the free throw line. He's, I think he's like 10 a game or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he's really always cool. driving Yeah, or pulling up for that mid-range game. It, it is a lost art. You're right. I don't think we're going to see the – way, the way guys are shooting threes nowadays, it's amazing that he's doing this. Um, we, we talked before the season about how guys get that bump coming off playing for USA basketball. And I wonder if this is a little bit of that at all. Although it's not like he's just a little bit better than last year. I mean, this is like, he's averaging seven points more per game than he averaged a year yeah. ago. I mean, it's significant. Like he's significantly better than he was last year. And he's, it's down over the last few games, but I mean, he was up at like 33 and a half points a game yeah, for a little while. Ridiculous. And he, you know, without any three point shot, it's, he might, he's like, he reminds me of like peak Sprewell if you took away the threes, you know, just yeah. like a slasher, wiry yeah. slasher gets in the lane, gets to the line. I mean, it's you know what he's going to do, and he just is is filling it up. It's crazy shooting, to watch. He's shooting twenty three percent from the three point line this season. <laughs> yeah, made six threes all season. <laughs> it's the lowest of his career, other than his second season. His second season in the NBA, he shot. Point zero nine percent on three pointers for the season. <laughs> Five of fifty two. That is brutal. Yeah, Eighty two games. It's just brutal. But yeah, somehow. He, but then ever you know the, the, the last few years he's been around twenty six, twenty eight, thirty, twenty eight, thirty three last year, and now he's down to twenty three percent. But but the free throws I think is a, a big. Part. I mean he's at nine point six per game. He get times he goes to the line. It's beautiful. Uh, though. Listen, he's like he's like the dude when all of his friends have decided. You know what? I'm going to grow my hair and wear. You know, the Odell Beckham, and he's the dude to decide, you know what, I'm going to get the Kawhi Leonard and wear cornrows just because I yeah. can. Like, I like that he's going against the grain on this. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I love it. Um, 
you mentioned Porzingis too, and you know, obviously me being here, I see him a lot. Um, I go to see him a lot. The, the unicorn as he's become um, known for around here because he's so rare and fragile and beautiful. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I was I was at their game. I was at I was actually at their game also on Sunday because I had the bright idea of trying to go to both games in one day, and then I someone took me up on the offer and I had to write about it. But um, watching him on Sunday against the Hawks, you know, uh, um, Joaquin was out, so everyone's been clamoring for Porzingis to play the five, and I I was thinking I don't know if that's going to work against Dwight Howard. So like I mean, Porzingis is really tall, but he weighs like 125 pounds. Yeah. Um, and Dwight finished with 18 and 18, but. But Porzingis, man, I, I I was trying to come up with a comparison for him, and I I, I can't. I really don't know who you compare him to. Um, now, ever like anything pop to your mind? <laughs> Either you guys, are you I, looking? I mean, the, simply because of like the shooting. Yeah, I guess Dirk is the easy one, but yeah, his game is completely different. He's he really is. Um, he's more of a. I mean, it's. I, I don't know if he ever reaches, obviously, the heights of Dirk Nowitzki's career, but when you add in uh, the ability to protect the rim, that's a dimension uh. that, that Dirk didn't have. So if um, if the offense continues to evolve um, the way on the on the same trajectory that it's been, and he is still a rim protector, you know, in two, three, five years, gets bulks up a little, is able to kind of increase the rebounding a little bit. I mean, he's like, yeah, we've never, I don't think we've ever really seen a guy that combines all these things with that size, with that um, mobility at seven, three. Yeah. yeah, the athleticism to me is, you like you said, the mobility that there was a, the alley-oop he had the last week yeah. in that game where he was like, his legs were like he almost like dove feet first toward the rim <laughs> and he still caught it and dunked it and, and crashed into the ground. And it was unbelievable to see a guy that size be able to do something like that. So. And he's got great hands, like really yeah. soft hands. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, the, as a Knicks fan, he's uh, he's w- what I am incredibly thankful for. He kind of moves like a six, five guy or a six, six really guy, does. you know, he- so. And and the thing that I think is underrated about him is he's um he's kind of like politically astute, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> he came in and he's uh the rookies of his draft class by the way, incredibly like PR polished, almost like they right. all went to like <laughs> like a PR class, but he's like just he's always uh praising his teammates. You know when a young guy comes in it can be a source of friction with veterans. It's he's always he's diffused that like at every turn. Mm-hmm. Talks about Mello like constantly. Mello obviously enjoys playing with him, which was I think yeah. uh, iffy w- with the way that relationship started. Um, just like everything about him is great. It probably helped once Mello saw that picture of Porzingis with cornrows as a kid. Yeah, he's got to get those back. <laughs> Definitely, I'm insane. He gets those back. Forget it. That's it. It's, did you, you know. Did you see the video? On, you might have even tweeted this. I, I saw it last week on Twitter. It was some post game interview with Porzingis. And he was talking, and he had a little bit of – you could almost hear the New York accent in his voice now. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's great. That's what, <laughs> I, I, there's, that, well, there's that video of uh, – he got he got like a – he got a foul called on when he was trying to protect the rim. And uh, he did the, uh, you know, the F uh, – can I curse on this podcast? I probably can't, be, right? Eh, probably not, but, you know, go for it. <laughs> I just believe it. Yeah, and he did like the very New York, like, get the f*** out of here kind of like <laughs> face. It was fantastic. Yeah. Seiko, I remember when we saw him in Summer League, you were questioning him a little bit. Oh, I'm, listen, I'm still picking 
crow out of my teeth because I, I was supremely not impressed when we first saw him. Remember I kept saying, he's so slow. He's moving like three seconds behind the play. Which you, what I couldn't account for then is that he looked like he was playing in cement physically because the game was too fast for him between the ears. You could tell he was trying to catch up to the pace of the game. But once people started seeing him in, in training camp in his first preseason, I think it kind of dawned on a lot of people. And then myself, of course, watching throughout the course of his rookie year, you just realize the dude is so rare um, in terms of his size. Like I remember when Yao Ming first came to the NBA, and I was, I was there at his first regular season game, and he was sitting on the bench talking to like 30 reporters. He was sitting on the bench, and we were all standing up around him, and he was three feet up, his head was three <laughs> feet above all of us. That's because like, you're four foot six. But I'm not the ahead. only one, but I'm saying it, it it makes sense to me when you walk into a locker room and you see Porzingis standing there, just how ridiculously tall yeah. and long he is, and then the fact that he can move like a guy half his size. I mean, if he can run down the floor like he's 6'5 and do all the stuff he does, yeah, he's going to be a freak for a long time. And and God help the rest of us when he gets stronger, like when he actually puts some meat on his yeah. bones and, and can go in and, and knock down – you know, jump hooks whenever he feels like it and step out and knock down 26-footers. So it's, I, I hope for the sake of all New Yorkers and their psyches <laughs> that he doesn't run into any hurdles and he continues to be the unicorn you all love and adore. Yeah, I just, Jason, knocked, on, I just knocked on wood. <laughs> Jason, yeah. uh, what Game of Thrones character would you compare Porzingis to? Oh, my God. Oof. Put me on the, on the spot. I think that um, – so you can think about it. I think yeah, I, let me think about it. I I would say he's actually like a combination because the thing about Game of Thrones characters, especially the heroes, is they all have like some kind of fatal flaw that makes them um, right. uh, mortal. That 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 will be exploited. Some like Jon Snow is a you know a, a very good person and a great leader of men, but also like he's just kind of got that. Stark, not that quite ruthless enough thing. And like uh, Rob Stark was, you know, it like thought with his, um, with, he thought with the, his organs below the belt. So it was like, um, whereas Porzingis, like, I don't like, I can't think of like, he needs to get stronger. That's it. That's obvious. But just right. like the, the things he's able to accomplish without that um, at this point um, is pretty great. I couldn't, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't make him in a computer, like you know. Yeah, you know who he looks like to me is um Jack Skellington, you know from the the Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, yeah, like, the way it's just like it's all arms and legs, and there's like not really a torso there, and then like the kind of hollowed out eyes and everything. Like it, it's it. That's 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 who Porzingis looks like to me. So. Yeah, it's funny. It, um, when I watched him at summer league, the the game where I kind of was like, oh, he's going to be okay. Was yeah. this versus the Sixers, um, where Okafor just just beat him up like the first half, just pushed him anywhere he wanted to go, just took him. But and then the second half, Porzingis started fronting him. He and he never went away. Like he was getting his butt kicked down low every single play, just cleared out. But he never stopped doing it. And I was like, ah, oh, he's gonna be all right. <laughs> we should also just briefly acknowledge, I mean, you mentioned him. He was going to be on my list, too. Uh, the process himself. Yeah. <laughs> Joel Embiid. I mean, this has been a phenomenal couple of weeks for, uh, for a guy to have, huh? Uh, I mean, just like there's everything about him is fantastic. The fact that he just um, trademarked a 
Bloody Mary, <laughs> like a, a Shirley Temple mix called the process. I like it, he's like operating on several like meta levels above uh, the normal NBA player. And like every interview I read with him or see with him is fantastic. And then the numbers he's putting up are just stupefying, like in limited minutes. Um, let me look at it like per 36, just... 30, 30 points. Uh, basically 12 rebounds and four blocks <laughs> per 36. Like, it's just stupid. It's crazy. What it, this yeah. is my favorite one I saw. Somebody somebody put this one out yesterday. They said that through the same number of games in their rookie season, he has more threes than Steph. <laughs> yeah. And, like, so, therefore, yeah. they're you know, extrapolating, hey, he's going to be dropping 400 threes in a couple of years. I was like, all right, now we've officially gone a little too damn <laughs> he's, he's also like he's unstoppable on social media. Like it's just been a, I think he's one of the best, one of the best so, ever on social media. Tour de force. Yeah. He, uh, I mean, from the, from remember when like coming into the league when he had that whole thing where he was trying to court Rihanna via social media. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember I, I went to the um, to the rookie photo shoot and I asked him straight faced, "How are things going with Rihanna?" And straight faced, he was like, "Oh, things are going really well. We're having a very good time." And and, <laughs> and we had about a three or four minute conversation about this fake relationship with Rihanna. Uh, so I knew then like things were going to be good. This week already, he he there was photos of him that surfaced of him at the club wearing his own jersey. <laughs> I know it's like it's so good. <laughs> And then there was a photo he posted after the game last night, a photo of himself in the post and he, in the location on the photo, he wrote barbecue chicken. Barbecue chicken. So, uh, uh, he was on he my list of things it. I'm thankful for. It's, yeah, it's unbelievable. I hope he's he stays 11 healthy. He's 22 from three on the season. He's better. He's a better three point shooter than Steph. Just think about it. Just put that in context. He's going to be a better three based on the early returns. Yeah. He's <laughs> the one thing, the one thing he cannot do is pass the process, like he, baby. Well, who's he passing to? Yeah, well, that's a good point. Yeah, if he's not giving it to Nick Styles, because I don't want him to pass. <laughs> Unless he's giving it to uh, Nick, he needs to keep it and go to go to work. Well, let me go to my list. Number one on my list is Russell Westbrook, because mm. I am here for this season of Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I, I believe he's not going to run out of energy. I think this is the the peak Westbrook that we've been waiting for for a decade. We've seen the way he's played with such fury and energy the last few years, and all of a sudden, it's it's unleashed in full. Um, we we talked. We had Howard Beck on a couple weeks ago. And we were talking about how Russ's usage rate is just through the roof. Um, and I just just curious. I just went and looked it up a second ago. And at this point, it's thirty nine point nine percent. Guess guess who's number two? Joel Embiid, thirty eight. Oh, it's oh, beautiful. Stop. <laughs> he is on his heels. But Embiid might catch Westbrook, but. Um, I just love the way that Westbrook's playing, and um, it's it's unbelievable to watch. And I love that it just keeps going every night, and it hasn't stopped. So that's number one on my list. Another name um, on my list uh, was going to be Embiid. We took that one. James Harden. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a little Westbrooky, but but kind of more tricky. There was I tweeted a Vine the other day of him putting a step back on Dante Exum, and I yeah, could watch good. it. I could watch that thing for hours. It's <laughs> I, I, I've, st- I've stared at it for five minutes trying to figure out how. I mean, he clears five feet of space with one move, um, and the fact that he has the ball in his hand so much. Um, I mean, his usage rate's up there too, but his assist um, 
assist ratio and all that stuff's up there with the league leaders. Um, so I, I think Harden's up there. And then number one on my list, of course, is Mike Budenholzer. But um, <laughs> we can talk about other things too. And, I, I, I do want to talk about. You mentioned somebody that really this this is off the subject, but it caught me kind of caught me by surprise the other day watching him. Do you remember how excited we were about Dante Exum two years ago? Yeah, and like he looked like a phys- you know he looked yeah. like a physical six six you know point guard kind of one of those. And then I saw him the other night, and I'm telling you, it took me three seconds to recognize him. Yeah. He looks totally different, just physically. He doesn't look as big and strong. He certainly doesn't look as confident as he did after missing that, that you know, all that time with injury. Do you, are you worried about Exum at all, Lang, Jason, just in terms of what his trajectory was before his injury and now? I think it's too, too it's a little too early mm-hmm. to be quote-unquote worried. But, yeah, the numbers yeah, the numbers are not great. Um I also like have. He looks good defensively, um, but it's not. It's not a great. You know, it's like he's not going to take minutes from George Hill. Um, I'm not really sure what he does on offense. Uh, he just looks like he really has no identity as a player yeah. yet. But he. But he's a young player, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Like I watch. I'll be watching them and. He'll come on, and I will not even think about him until I'm like, oh yeah, it's Dante. <laughs> Yeah. It's just it's, weird. Like it was just weird. Like it was kind of a jolt to see him. I was like, wow, he doesn't need. He just didn't have the body language you'd expect of the dude that we yeah. saw before he got hurt. And I was like, I wow. think. Well, I think part of that is you know that he he's still. It's going to take a while to get 100 percent from that injury, and then also like I think he's kind of been in a weird spot where you know they bring in George Hill, and so he right. was. Exum was playing off the ball to kind of get minutes and to get him on the court. And now when, when Hill's hurt, Exum's having to play the one more. And so he's kind of gotten yanked around a little bit and uh, you know, he hasn't been able to kind of just settle in and and get comfortable in a role, I think. So that's probably part of it too. But yeah, just like I said, it just was kind of jumped out of me the other night when I was watching that with the playing the bulls, I think. And um, you know, and he was guarding Joe Johnson at one point, you know, Joe's a big dude, like a deceptively big dude, 250 pounds and you wouldn't know it. And he just, he was moving X amount of way like he wasn't even standing there. I was like, oh, not J- Joe Johnson's on the same team. No, I'm sorry, like- not Joe, uh, not the Bulls, <laughs> Dwayne Wade, excuse me. Yeah. Um, and, and Wade was just shoving him around like he wasn't even right. – it, it was ridiculous. You know, and I know yeah. Wade's good and he's good off the dribble. He's got a great handle, you know. But Dante Exum is supposed to be a 6'6", 200-plus pound. I don't know if he's 200-plus because he's – He I was mean, before I- he got hurt. I'm telling you, go back and look at pictures of him before this season. He's He looks physically much bigger. Than he does now. I think uh, part of it also is that you know Exum's. If you would, if you would, at this point were to pinpoint the thing that Exum has that that is yeah. quote unquote special is he's fast, mm-hmm. um, and Utah plays at like the slowest pace in the league. Yeah. So it's yeah. like um, you know it's just a tough fit right now, and and like you hope he grows into the role or whatever that role may be. Yeah. yeah. Jason, how do you feel about the Knicks going forward for the rest? <laughs> like just not, I mean short term this yeah, yeah. season. Uh, going forward, how like short term, like this year? Yeah, just this season. Oh, he means like, like just till Christmas. I know there's like I've, there's a. There's, <laughs> a fans, look, I've been in New York 15 years now, and I know how Knicks fans are like you know doom and gloom all the time. But I, I just like how do you feel like just for the rest of this season? Knicks well, playoffs. I, I mean, around? they are. Uh, they're a lot easier on the eyes now, especially the second unit when the ball like just really moves around. Um, yeah. I, I think Hornacek has 
hit on a few things rotation wise, staggering the starters, getting Porzingis time with the with the second unit, with the yeah. um, where, where he can be like the focal point offensively, and the ball just kind of like skirts around a lot of spacing in that unit. Um, they're still looking for like a, you know an identity, a, a defensive identity, which uh, Noah secretly or not so secretly looks pretty washed. I mean, the thing about Noah um, last couple of years is while his offense kind of like fell off a cliff, he was still an effective defender and he's not looked that in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that is scheme. He's playing with a bunch of new guys and also he just can't move that well. Um, but I think they have, you know, they have, they have so much talent, especially in the starting lineup. Not that the talent, it's a weird fit, but they have a lot of talent and I'm tentatively optimistic on the short term. <laughs> <laughs> I one person I meant to name in my list of people I'm thankful for is Brandon Jennings, uh, just because when he comes into games, he, I mean, he clearly thinks it's an and one mixtape that he's in, and he's out there trying to put together highlight plays. And so at, at least once, at least once, yeah, it's awesome. At least once a game, he fakes the behind the back pass and goes yep. the other way. And um, he might take a couple of ill-advised shots, but it's part of the package, and and you got to take the whole package. And I think it's it's been awesome watching him uh, in New York this year. He's clearly having fun out there. Yeah, I just, I, the thing I like about I was actually thinking about him the other day because I was thinking about like if I was going to write about him, uh, he is objectively not that good, but I really like him. I just like him <laughs> because he's like, you know, he's like you always need that guy who's just going to be like I, I'm going to talk crap to a bench guy right now yeah. for no apparent reason, you know, and well, just and not pick up a, a you know an yeah. opponent when they fall down. You just need guys like that he's got a lot of swag it doesn't it's kind of out of proportion with his like utility as a player but i'm i'm here for it i thought on sunday when they played the hawks sunday i thought we might get a swag off between him and dennis Schroeder at one point <laughs> Schroeder ran out of gas didn't he yeah it never happened it didn't come to fruition Schroeder was out too late in new york i don't know yeah he uh, looked it yeah he... I, like, I'm like if you know anything <laughs> you know because he looked like yeah but new york is a new york nightlife uh, is, is undefeated like... Told Saker the Knicks should schedule a whole bunch of those Sunday noon games. They have like three or four this year, uh, more than I remember them having the past couple seasons. They should play every Sunday at noon, just to. They should play. <laughs> they should play at eight thirty on Saturday mornings. They should play eight thirty a.m. Now that they, especially now that J.R. Smith is on the team, <laughs> they could call it. The, they could call it the early service. <laughs> Brunch games. Show up eight thirty. Just run guys out. That that reminds me of one other thing that uh, has been bugging me the last couple of weeks. Lang, I was I was on a local Atlanta radio show a few weeks ago, and one of the hosts, and this this reminded me of how little NBA basketball some people in the sports world watch because they're so focused on NFL, college football, whatever. He made a comment, like kind of an offhand comment, like, "Yeah, you know, these players, these young guys, really look like they're working hard." And I'm like, <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking, bro. You do realize these dudes work 24/7 365 like that's that's a part of the yesteryear uh, a yeah. bygone era of basketball where you worried about a dude right. working on his game or being in shape like they're they're in shape all year round they play ball all year round and to me it, it almost feels like the casual fan doesn't appreciate that about today's NBA is that we don't have the Benoit Benjamins of the world and I, I apologize to his family in advance for going on this rant. But I'm saying we don't have those dudes who needed the Kevin Duckworths of the world, who who wow. need training camp and controlled, you know, 
meals to get themselves in basketball shape. We don't do that anymore in the NBA. You don't do right. the first month of the season. Well, he needs the first month of the season to get himself in a game shape. That's I wrote, a story, I wrote a story today on NBA.com about Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah. Um, I talked to him this weekend, and he said you know, he's having a career year, and he said that this summer he decided to, to really – take control of, of, of all that stuff. And he, so he started going to bed at nine 30, um, waking up as early as he can. He cut out steak. He cut out fried food, uh, only drinks water now just all day long. Mm-hmm. And he, he's in the best shape of his life. And, yeah. and he, what was interesting was he said like the guy, he, he ended up kind of having a workout partner and it was Mike Muscala. And he's also having a, a breakout season. Right. So that, you know, it, it kind of reminded me that even though Tim Hardway played in the NBA for two seasons, he, yeah. he he could get better and he had something to another level to get to. And, you know, these guys, like you said, they, they take it way more seriously than I think people know. Yeah. But. I mean, it just bugged me that, that somebody in our business would still be operating on like the 1988, well, you know, send them a turducken. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the thing that, the thing that I really appreciate about the NBA now and watched it my entire life is, um, just we have so much access to knowledge about the game, um, and the the game has evolved to a level where both defenses and offenses are just so intricate. There's so much thought put in it where if a guy has a weakness, especially in the playoffs, he's going to get exposed, yeah. um, and you really see that in the way players prepare today. Like because not only are you going to get exposed as say not a good shooter or you don't uh, you don't have any lateral quickness, uh, you're going to get exposed on the internet on social media. There's going to be vines <laughs> of you getting took. So I think um, kind of like the soft uh, result of that is that you know guys, there's a lot of professionalism in the league right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. We can we can thank Shaq and a fool for some of that yeah. pinpointing <laughs> of people's uh, weaknesses. <laughs> But no, you're right. And you don't have to be married to analytics or anything like that. Really, it's just about, like you said, there's there's so much information about the league at people's fingertips. Um, And and then I I think about the skill work you see guys go through. Lang, we always we're always in a gym at some point throughout the course of a year. You know, I was at shoot around. I went to a shoot around today for the Hawks and Pelicans, and the shooting contest that Drew Holiday, Langston Galloway, and I think Solomon Hill was the third person. They're, you know, like watching guys do shooting drills after you know after they're done doing the formal workout. That used to just be something you kind of used as a kind of hangout time to chit-chat with people. But now you have to watch it because there's some dude in there that's shooting probably career numbers from deep who's going through that drill every day after practice you might not have paid attention to 10, 15 years ago. Um, right. You know, and yeah. I, I just – like I said, I think there's an appreciation for – the fine tuning of the games that these today's players don't get credit for. And I hope that that becomes more um, push, at least push to the forefront a little bit more about today's game and that, you know, yeah, nobody's shooting. Nobody's going to be perfect in what they do, but I mean, these guys are as well-trained and as skilled as you could possibly be for today's game. And I think that's pretty, pretty smooth when you think about it. Well, I'm going to spend Thanksgiving um, undoing all the fitness work I've put in the last couple months. <laughs> so, you, are you? I'm assuming you're you're in charge of the major pieces yeah. of the meal, like this. However, however, because like so, a week ago Monday, I had to f- make an entire Thanksgiving meal to shoot it for GQ. So, I'm not doing it again. I told my mom already. I was like, I'm not, I'm not making two Thanksgiving meals this year. So, uh, I don't know. We might end up at Red Rooster or doing something else on on Thanksgiving Day. Nice. Jason, you you got uh, big plans for Thanksgiving? 
Uh, just going out to my family's uh, house out on Long Island. We're going to eat a lot of food and probably fall asleep with uh, college football going in the background. Right, right. Yep. We are not hosting Lang for the first time in, I think, seven or eight years. Um, Wow. After last year, my brother showed up three hours late with one of the main side dishes for Thanksgiving dinner at my house. So I I officially uninvited everybody when he (laughs) showed up last year at 6 o'clock. For our three o'clock, uh, you know, bread breaking at Thanksgiving. So this year, everybody is obliged. No family's coming. It's just me and Heather and the kids, and uh, everybody's responsible for a meal. And my youngest is decided he wants to cook green. So y'all say three or four prayers for me now, and uh, hope that I don't eat bugs on Thanksgiving. <laughs> 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 but uh, but Jason, listen, we appreciate it, man. Good to talk to you finally and get you here on the podcast. Um, we're big fans, and obviously we'll be keeping an eye on you on Twitter and, and social media and everywhere else, man. Thanks so much. Well, thanks for having me, man. All Good right. Chance. Appreciate yes. it. Um, Lang, kudos to you for having the family up. Tell your mom and dad I said hello. Um, yeah. Make sure Beck gets his full on uh, on Thanksgiving. And, of course, you got to go on iTunes and uh, check check us out there. Leave us a beautiful, gorgeous review. Talk about how great Lang is. Yes. How bubbly his voice sounds. Um, and you'll get a new episode of the Hangtime Podcast every Thursday this season. So don't forget that. And we appreciate you. We'll see you next week right here on the Hangtime Podcast. Later. Woo! Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes for a new episode every single Thursday this season. And as always, people, remember, say kuna matata. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.